The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. Welcome back to the ND on NBC podcast. I'm Jack Collinsworth. As always, we are presented by Under Armour. And this is a podcast coming off the North Carolina game. And the Kyron Williams touchdown run, I think, will be the lasting image of that game. Him breaking all these tackles, the great stiff arm on one of their best players defensively in Fox. And he works his way down the sideline. Avery Davis is on the sprint to go get the block, but he doesn't make a a big contact or a push in the back to where it would get pulled back. Michael Mayer's flying down the field trying to get a block, too. Uh, but I think that this is going to be one of those runs that you'll see looped for years to come. This is just one of those moments. And Kyron Williams has done this so many times. We stopped in the backfield and you know, left tackle missed a block. The left guard let their guy get through. Or maybe it's the, you know, the right tackle or receiver or tight end. Somebody missed a block. And he has an ability to do the indescribable to make somebody miss, to stiff arm the next guy, to make three guys miss on his own and get to the next level. He's an NFL running back, and that's what he's proving over and over again, uh, that he's a guy that's ready for that next level. But this Notre Dame offensive line turnaround has been amazing, too. The first five games of the season, 20 sacks-plus hits allowed. The last three games, only two sacks-plus hits allowed. Their run block grade, the first five games, 58.9. The last three games, it has been an 86.8 run block grade. So the turnaround has just been amazing for the offensive line. And I think you're seeing Joe Alt, some of these young guys start to come to form. Uh, and that, that means good things for a whole lot of years into the future as well. Today's about the defense, though. We had J.D. Bertrand on the podcast, a man that has just exploded this season, been all over the field, leads the team in tackles by a substantial, substantial margin. So here is J.D., and it's good to get to know him. Welcome back to the ND on NBC podcast. The guest is honestly one of my favorite players on the team, and I know I'm an unbiased guy, and I have to remain unbiased, but man, do you play football so hard. You fly around that field. I watch the defensive tape, and I'm like, J.D., 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 it's all game. I just keep seeing you. So where does that effort come from, the way you play? I don't know. It's just something that I've always like been passionate about, and funny thing is, like, I was talking to one of my coaches the other day, and one of like my favorite quotes is like a defensive player's value to the football team is measured by how far away he is from the ball at the end of each snap. And so I kind of just try to like be passionate about that and make sure that that I make sure that happens every single play. No, that's what it looks like, man. I mean, you have 71 tackles. The, the next closest guy is in the 30s. 
And so to me, that that lends itself to just sheer effort and just always, whether you're blocked, whether you're on the backside, front side, you're always just trying to be wherever the ball winds up. So what does that sound like to you? When you hear 71 tackles, the next closest in the 30s, where does the tackles come from for you? I think, I mean, a lot of it's just I've been put in good spots. Just, I mean, that doesn't happen without my teammates, obviously. Like, there's plenty of dudes taking up double teams and stuff like that. But a lot of it is also just effort and attitude, as Coach Freeman says. And so that's partly. And then, I mean, hearing that, like, it's obviously cool, but there's also, like, there's plays that are still out there for me to be made. And, like, I hear 71, and, like, I'd rather have it be 81, or I'd rather just there's more plays to be made. So just trying to make sure that I can continue to get better and make more plays and not necessarily, not necessarily just tackles, but just continue to make plays and kind of form myself into a playmaker, not just tackling machine or something like that. Well, tackles are never bad either, man. That's, yeah. that's one of the more important things when it comes to football. Uh, something else is cool with you is we were sitting there in that NBC production meeting and it was right at the end and you asked Drew Brees for advice. And I, I've been to a lot of production meetings and I've never heard that. So why? What made you want to do that? I mean, there's not many times you're sitting there in a room with Drew Brees and get the opportunity to ask that kind of advice. And so I think just being able to learn from someone like that, and he has so much playing experience and so much just overall experience on his hands. Like he's obviously one of the best ones in the business. And so just being able to learn from someone like that. And I try to take every opportunity, like when I'm home training with someone that's in the NFL, just, I mean, my favorite question to ask is just like, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you were in my shoes? And from there, I mean, it really makes them think usually and you get some really good advice. Do you remember what he told you? Yeah, he said that, well, for him, it was the it was the fact that he would go in, he was saying particularly off season and sit in like the defensive staff meetings or sit in the defensive like coaches meetings. So like for me, he was saying like, go sit in with Coach Reese or go sit with, like coach Quinn or the offensive staff just to like be able to kind of get their perspective and their side of the ball and like what they're thinking when they see certain defenses and things like that. And just basically learning the offensive side of the ball almost as much as the defensive side of the ball during the off season. I was glad you remember because I, as soon as you asked the question, I wrote it down too, because I thought it was a really cool answer from him to go, yeah, look at it from the opposite side. Have you done any of that going to the offense yet? And what have you learned? I really like, haven't so much i mean the plan is more so in the off season yeah i mean i've asked coaches like especially during my red shirt years more so like coach quinn like what do you see from me that like not do well that makes it hard for offensive linemen and what do you see from me that like i obviously need to get better at but mm-hmm. i mean i think during this off season i'll definitely focus on it yeah it's cool I, from a scheme perspective tommy reese would be a good one there too like Tommy, Tommy sees things at an elite level for a 29-year-old guy, man, because his dad's a coach, too. I mean, he's got some serious knowledge of the game. So Coach Freeman comes over uh, in very different style from Clark Lee uh, defensively. He wants to attack and come downhill and be in their face. Like, how does that play into an ideal circumstance for your game? I mean, for my game, it's just been really great just because it allows me to just be very instinctual and be able to – use just fundamentals to be able to get to the ball and so I think he's also done a good job which like we obviously need to improve on and I mean every single game we're going to try and take a step forward 
and we weren't happy from last game, but we need to make sure like he does a great job just emphasizing the fundamentals, just being able to get off blocks, being able to finish on the ball heavy, finishing through ball carriers and things like that. So I think just you're never going to go wrong in football as long as you kind of stick to those kind of fundamentals, like the ability to get off blocks, to finish like heavy through the ball carrier, to finish on the ball through like effort and attitude, we say, and just ball disruption. And so just those things have allowed like our defense to be successful, but we know that we need to make sure that we're continuing to improve that. Yeah. What, what about Coach Freeman's personality? Give us a sense of what he's like day to day in there. Yeah. I mean, I love him. And I think that speaks for most, like almost every single guy. He's done such a great job of, he's just such a personal coach. And like, he genuinely has like a great connection and you're able to have great interactions with him. And that's not just me being his position group, but throughout the whole defense. And like, you can like feel that in the locker room and you can feel that in our unit meetings and things like that. And so like guys really enjoy playing for him. And I think that makes a big difference. JD, what's what's been the best defensive game so far? As you look at the schedule and the games that has been played so far, what's been the best defensive performance in your eyes? I think the best one would be, as a whole, would have been Wisconsin. Hmm, why? I think the fourth quarter when we were able to just take over the game was just really satisfying. And plays like Kaiser's pick or just things like Cam had a, like a, a PI and then he comes back and gets a pick on the same exact route. And so just those kind of things. And, I mean, the cool thing is it's college football, so we still have four more games to make sure that we're improving. And we weren't satisfied with the last game, and we weren't necessarily happy with it. I mean, it's good when you come off a game and you win, but you actually felt like you lost. Like, to some mm-hmm. extent, that's good because you know that there's not you're not going to be complacent. And you know you need to get better. And so we feel that, we're like, Games like Wisconsin is where we should play, like how we should play every single game and how we should be able to play every single game. So we're striving for that. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. What, what was that Wisconsin game like when, when the jump around happened and then the fourth quarter eruption? Like, what were you thinking standing over there on the sideline as all the picks and the pick sixes started to happen? I mean, it was definitely fun. And, like, yeah. pick sixes just – or just picks in general just give you another, like, bolts of adrenaline trying to hopefully just get one block for the guy and get him in the end zone and – I mean, two pick sixes doesn't happen that often, and so especially in the linebacker group. So we're just fired up about it. It's pretty awesome. How, how vocal of a guy are you on the field? What's what's sort of your leadership style when you're out there? Um, I mean, thing I think first and foremost, I'm a big like you're gonna see the way I work before the way like before I start talking. But mm-hmm. I'm definitely like have been trying to focus and emphasize like my role as like a communicator, and I think. I've been very fortunate to play alongside with Drew White. And so Drew White's a really good, does a really good job of communicating. And so I've been able to learn from him and just, we kind of are able to like enhance both of what he does and I'm able to help, like I'm able to enhance what he does and he's able to help and help enhance what I do. Mm-hmm. And, and Drew's a guy that Drew White, somebody that you guys are going to lean on in a big way for this Navy game, this Navy game. 
yeah. every year has something unique and something so special about it from a, just who those guys are as humans, you know what I mean? And the job they're going to do after college. And it's so awesome for that reason. And it's also so different because of this triple option attack that they play. So what are some of the great challenges and the unique elements about this Navy game on the field? You know, one of the biggest things is just like trying to get a hold of like the speed at which they are able to perform their offense. I mean, they're super efficient and they do a great job at like sticking to who they are. And so with that, like, we know that we're going to have to, we're not necessarily going to be able to like get the same speed in the practice. So we are going to need to make sure we watch extra film. We do things like we have, there's a walkthrough wall that has end zone copies of film. And so just being able to get that so that you can get a general idea of like how fast they're going to be coming off the ball. And then there's the little details that we've started like emphasizing. It's just like working cut blocks or working, being able to play from quarterback to pitch man and just those little details. And so obviously like thankfully we've had a coach that's been able to play in many of these games. And so we're going to lean on that, but just being able to adapt to the speed and emphasize the little things of cut blocks and getting off blocks and finishing on the ball and things like that. When did the game planning or the scheming for this game begin? Was it this week or have you guys been thinking about this game since fall camp or spring? Yeah, fall camp, we had a couple periods every single fall camp that was emphasizing just Navy, just because it's such a unique offense and you feel that there's not enough time to ever like fully prepare in a sense. But so fall camp, we made sure we, or I mean, it was more, it was, well, it was the coach's call, but they made sure that we started preparing there. And then, I mean, the coaches, they go straight from the UNC game and that night they get in the office and they get working on Navy, and from there we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Coach Freeman feels feels to me like he's confident in stopping it. And I, he had some some games that you see where they really struggled. I think there was one year where they gave up like sixty points or something in a massive game, and then he went and really just honed in on it and was studying it and talking to high school coaches, talking to college coaches. And now I would say he feels extremely confident about his plan going up against the triple option. How many triple option games did you have back in Georgia playing high school football? Like how often have you gone up against this offense? I've definitely done it a couple of times, like probably around 10. So Kyle Hamilton's team was a triple option team. So we played them hmm. every single year. And then another team, St. Pius the 10th is another team that runs the triple option. And so triple option wing T, both of them are a little mix of each. And so I've gone up against it all four years of high school. So yeah, I mean, that's obviously like just a little added benefit that is going to help me to some extent. Yeah, well, now you said something even a little bit more interesting than the triple option: playing high school football against Kyle Hamilton. <laughs> was he was he playing receiver? Was he playing what, what was what was playing high school football against Hamilton like? So he's kind of been he was kind of everything. I mean, the crazy thing is, so I've known him before high school. Yeah, so things of this Kyle is this like huge six four guy, long lengthy guy, and like. It wasn't until like really June sophomore end of sophomore junior year that he hit that growth spurt. Like, there's some pictures that from when we played basketball that I was way taller than him, and so wow. it's been funny and like it's just been cool being able to grow up against him or grow up play with him and play against him. But he was definitely like a playmaker at the high school level, and so it's been really cool just being able to see that bleed and continue, and him be able to enhance his abilities at the college level. 
So, so what was he like as a short? See, I can't even picture him as like a shorter guy. So what what, yeah. what are his skill sets when he was like a shorter? When did he become a recruit? What does a little Kyle Hamilton even look like? Um, I think his first offer came like sophomore year. But beyond that, I mean, like it was like basketball. He was the point guard. Like he was a little short yeah. guy. And so like football, like we used to play against him. And we always were like, like I was six foot in the eighth grade. And so Kyle was always a shorter dude that, like we just knew him because we played with him. We didn't know him because he was like that guy. But then he was always athletic, and he turned into that guy. <laughs> wow. So, so then, when you were coming to Notre Dame, was there any connection in Georgia prior to you two getting there, or when when did you guys all sort of reconnect on the fact that hey, we're both from here, both played each other, and now we're going to the same college? I mean, most definitely. Like between him and KJ, like we talked about it, and his dad's been a big part of just like even just training me and my brothers in basketball and just training us in general, like just overall like athletic ability, just like sand workouts and things like that. So like we've stayed close to their family. And so they've like, it obviously played a role to some extent of coming to Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. And are you two pretty close buddies still? Yeah, we definitely are. Why why aren't you on the podcast, man? I got to get you in the garage. What's up? (laughs) What's up? Why aren't you on the pod? We did one, one, but it didn't end up working out in Aurora's. (laughs) Oh, were you there for that one, the live one? Yeah, it didn't didn't work out, like, the audio, so. (laughs) I actually did hear that story a little bit. So, that's awesome, man. Big game this weekend against Navy. It's great hanging out with you. And anybody who just maximizes their potential as a human being, you know what I mean? You're one of those guys to me where you just you are going to go 100 percent of what J.D. Bertrand has every single day on the football field. Nice. And there's nothing more admirable than that. So thanks for coming on. Thanks for being you. No problem. I appreciate it. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.